1: Podcast. Hello, welcome in to the Wednesday edition of the Packaday Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Dusty Evely. Uh, With me tonight is the always wonderful Sarah Kelleher. No Steve tonight, uh, but I am here with Sarah and we're going to be talking, man, little Packers Bucks. Sarah, how are you doing, man?
2: I'm good. I'm, you know, always nice to... Get together after Packers win and much easier to hop on the podcast this week and feel excited (laughs) about week three after seeing that the Packers offense has some life and that that defense can live up to the expectations that are out there. And I know it wasn't perfect, but it was a step in the right direction. And right now, that's good enough for me. What about you?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Doing good. yeah, I was able to watch it with, uh, with friends, was able to do that the previous week. So watched with uh, my brother and one of my good friends and sat on a deck and just, just had a lovely, lovely time. Like you said, not perfect. Some things that likely need will need to be cleaned up, uh, you know, some point down the line here, but man, you know, they're and one they took care of business. They did, it where they did what they're supposed to do. Um, I guess before, before we get too far down the line here, Sarah, what were just your overall thoughts on that game? Like what, what, what stood out to you either good or bad or both?
2: Yeah, I mean, my overall thought, number one, is that Aaron Jones is a beast and that oh they Lord, need yeah. to get him the ball more, even more than that they already did. Um, but it was wonderful to see him play as well as he did. You know, I had talked about it last week on the podcast that he was a guy I thought could have a big game for the Packers, that I was hopeful could have a big game for the Packers. Just, just to see it come to fruition uh, felt good, and, you know, he's just such a good guy, too. You know, you can't help but love him. Um, You know, the other thing is that Preston Smith, absolute baller on defense this past game. My God, it was every time there was a key tackle or, you know, he he was wrapping a guy up and bringing him to the ground. It was just crazy. Um, So really cool to see that. And yeah, the Bears still suck. That would be overall takeaway number three. (laughs) Um, You know, I was nervous. I I will admit after week one and I, I said it on the podcast last week you know, you go, oh, shoot, like if the Packers screw this up, they're down two games in a division. This isn't good. Well, guess what? Here we are a week later. Packers crush the Bears on primetime football. And now everyone in the division is on an even playing field. So we're back to comfort. We're back to what we're used to. And it feels good. And I think we're headed in the right direction, you know, especially as Supporters of this football team. Um, And yeah, tough opponent in week three. Aaron Rodgers has said it. Um, You know, he said it on the broadcast after the show. He said it on Pat McAfee um, on Tuesday that. It's looking eerily similar to last season <laughs> as far as how um, things are falling, and hopefully, you know, I'd love to see thirteen another thirteen win season, and then maybe just a little bit better result in the yeah, playoffs. a
1: couple, 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 more wins at the end there would yeah. be nice. I feel like a couple more wins. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Those all those those takeaways are roughly mirror. I love seeing uh, Aaron Jones. I think, uh, I think the thing that really stood out to me a couple of things. Well, first of all, Sammy Watkins had a tremendous game. Uh, he looked really, really good. Not just in, um, not just in the you know. The, the couple plays, you know, those couple digs across the middle. He had that big bomb, that 55 yarder uh, kind of late in the fourth quarter. Just tremendous blocker. They had the, I think it was the, that Aaron Jones kind of jet sweep, uh, touch pass, touchdown run. It was Lazard blocking on one side and Sammy Watkins on the other side. And those dudes just handle business, man. So watching him was really cool. And the other thing was just uh, Christian Watson, just he seems like he's always open. He seems like he's always open. I think when Rodgers gets a little more comfort with the offensive line, gets a little more time, he starts looking at that tape. Start seeing like he's just, he's cooking guys down the field. He's cooking guys on different steps. Like I like that they got him a little more involved, uh, this game. Some of those touch passes and the jet motion and all that stuff. I, I think as the season goes on, uh, he has a real chance to break out, I think, cause he's, he's, if he gets the ball downfield again, he's got, got to catch it. You know, you got to catch the ball, man. Um, uh, but he's open all the time. So that, that was something that was very exciting to see. All right, uh, so before we get to uh, kind of talking about this next week's game, we do have some news and notes, so we'll go through some of these uh, fairly quickly. So uh, before we get to any Packers stuff, in former Packers news, uh, Kurt Bankert signed to the 49ers practice squad. Good for him. I don't have strong feelings about that. Uh, he was a good dude. I'm glad he's getting another opportunity. Sarah, anything?
2: You said it all. I mean, I was happy for him, solid on the timeline. Um, great, just that he has an opportunity and – Hopefully he's able to stay out there for a little bit.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, So kind of looking forward to the game here. The broadcast team is going to be, it's Kevin Burkhart, Greg Olson, Aaron Andrews, and Tom Rinaldi. The second time they've got this. Obviously, the uh, last week was a Sunday night game, but the first week they had the same team. So again, kind of that Fox A team without uh, Buck and Aikman. So that'll be nice. Uh, Should mean, hopefully, I will get it in my area because week one I did not get it in my area. I got Giants Titans instead. So hopefully, I will get this in my area because this is going to be their game of the week. Uh, and looking at practice, uh, the Packers moves, just a little practice squad stuff, as always happens with goodkins They signed DQ Thomas, a linebacker, a little bit on him. He looks like he's going to wear 48. He's an undrafted free agent from Middle Tennessee State, 6'2, 216 pounds. He set the school record for tackles for loss with 53 and was third all time in sacks with 20 and a half. Uh, kind of this was the scouting report, report I found on him was, uh, from Tony Pauline, uh, was undersized, explosive run and chase linebacker who makes a lot of tackles behind the line of scrimmage while showing ability and coverage, solid player, Middle Tennessee, and could have a home in the NFL roster as an eighth linebacker. So, Bottom of the roster churn, unlikely to do much, uh, but maybe a special teams body, something like that. And the corresponding move was it, they released Travis Fulgham. Sarah, any thoughts on DQ Thomas or Travis Fulgham?
2: You know, nothing really. I don't feel strongly about any of these moves. Like you said, it's just typical for this time of the year, making some adjustments, you know, moving things around on the roster and the and the practice squad. So my take is kind of cool. It is what it is. But really, I don't think we're going to see these guys all over the field. It's not like it's some big, sexy trade that the Packers made, and it's going to change the the way that they play. You know, Sunday at 425 or 325 or whatever time you're watching the game, is going to roll around, and it's going to be the same old Packers.
1: hmm yeah, I have a feeling next week we're going to be talking about how they released DQ Thomas from the practice squad and signed, uh, signed someone else. So, churn keeps going, man. It's one thing we know that Gutekunst likes to do, and uh, it's no different. It's t- man, 24-7, 365. Uh, all right, so kind of getting into, again, a little bit more. So, we know the Packers kind of came out of last week relatively healthy. The Bucks, the Bucks did not. The Bucks did not. Sarah, I'm going to get your take on these. I'm going to read them all first. So, it looks like the Bucks have so have been ruled out. Akeem Hicks, it sounds like he tore his plantar fascia, which is awful. Like, that sounds extremely painful. So he's out for at least a month, it sounds like. Josh Wells or Tackle, they're already thin on the offensive line. Uh, Josh Wells is out. Mike Evans, no injury, but he's out. Uh, because due to a suspension, he got a one-game suspension due to coming off, uh, coming out of the field during a brawl, the fight because it was Tom Brady, I believe that was that was the reason for it, is he wanted to fight Tom Brady, something yeah. of that effect. So he is out. He's at the moment. Last I saw, he's appealing. I'm unsure if he's actually going to play right now. He's being ruled out, and also very, very doubtful is uh, Julio Jones, who missed last week with the knee, and is looking like he's going to miss this week as well. And Chris Godwin, their wide receiver with the hamstring. So if you count. Their wide receivers alone, Mike Evans, Julio Jones, Chris Godwin, all likely out. Not great. So they, they brought on uh, Cole Beasley, who I can't remember if he played last year. If he played last year in the league, it was not very much. He's not at home so far this year. Uh, but they brought in Cole Beasley to hopefully do something with all his missing wide receivers. So, I mean, I, Sarah, that's that's a lot of names and some fairly big ones. And again, three of their starting wide receivers. What are your what are your thoughts on on this for the Bucks and what this can mean, what it can mean for this weekend.
2: Yeah, this this is crazy, you know. Especially I have a lot of friends that are Bucks fans, you know, living in Florida, and it's always oh, we got the weapons. We have Tom Brady, and this week it's really like oh, we on offense we just have Tom Brady because everyone else <laughs> um, is out, is hurt, is suspended. Um, I know that there's appeals that are happening and things could change at the last minute, but. I don't have the words. I mean, this is, if I'm a Bucks fan, I do not feel good about this. I don't feel confident, but at the same time I do because it's Tom Brady and he has to <laughs> deal with the devil and somehow always <laughs> makes this work. Um, but yeah, it's crazy. I'm sure the Packers are thinking, all right, this is our opportunity to try to avenge what happened a couple of years ago when we went down to Tampa Bay and looked awful, and then lost to them in our own stadium, the NFC Championship game. So hopefully the Packers are remembering that. And right now I'm, not, I'm crossing all fingers, toes and everything. The, the Packers seem to be heading in the right direction as far as health, getting some guys back. You know, Jenkins was back. Lazard was back. Hopefully that continues and that they don't catch whatever bug is, is going on in Tampa right now.
1: Yeah, I look at this and all I can see is like uh, you, you like to catch a team with their best. It stinks out this many guys. Uh, I, I certainly would like to see them closer to full strength. At the same time, it's a listen. It's you you beat who's you play, who's in front of you. If the Packers don't win this, man, the takes are going to be just real hot, just real, real hot. So for their sake, I hope the Packers kind of come out of this with a win. Um, it is. I mean, most of those guys and we'll kind of get to it. It's offensive side. You know, Akeem Hicks is out uh, on the defensive side. Everyone else is offensive side. And so far, it's been the defense carrying that team anyway. So, I do think even with all those guys out, I think the Bucks are going to struggle to score. I think it's going to be tough for the Packers as well. So, we will get to that uh, in a bit. But, Sarah, before we get to that, Rodgers is back on Pat McAfee Tuesdays. He was back today for... A fairly lengthy appearance. Uh, why don't you give us give us some of the highlights there? <laughs> <Don't laughs> Above what went on don't. today.
2: <laughs> so I was late to the podcast recording because I had watched part of the McPhee interview earlier in the day, and then you know life happens. I had things to do, and I said, "Oh, it's okay. I'll watch." The rest of it, there can't be much left. There only has to you be You minutes. So. You fool. And yeah, famous last words. I'm messaging Dusty on Twitter and all caps. I'm like, it will never end. It just keeps going. I'm fast forwarding. I'm watching it on double speed and it's still there, but finally it ended. But all that said, it was still an interesting discussion, so maybe you know, put it on triple speed. I don't know anything to do a little faster if you got a long car ride. If you're just sitting and working, then maybe put it on. Um, but few things. So first of all, Pat McAfee was nominated for the NFL Hall of Fame today, which was a pretty cool thing to to see. You know, he mentioned that he did not deserve it. That he's, you know, he he hopes somebody else wins. But good for Pat. I mean, kind of kind of cool to see it happen and like. He found out live on the show, so his reaction was very candid, so it was pretty cool. Um, But Aaron Rodgers, speaking of Hall of Fame and future Hall of Famers, um, he appeared on Pat McAfee's show this week wearing an Aaron Jones shirt, so the uh, famous pose of Aaron Jones waving in the Dallas game when he just absolutely torched the Cowboys' defense. He had that on his shirt um, and just was smiling ear to ear about how well he played. Um, and he was just just thrilled. Uh, he said he just needs a sombrero um, on the shirt and then it'll be perfect. <laughs> but he talked about the game. He said it was an incredible atmosphere at Lambeau Field against a great rival who was riding high from a week one win, implying that maybe they felt a little too comfortable. And then when they came to Titletown, they had to, they had to humble them a little bit. Um, He he talked about, you know, just some of the games that he watched. He said Buffalo is damn good. He really likes Josh Allen as a person. So whenever he's on, he tries to turn on the TV and just check out what he's doing. Um, You know, he mentioned that he wants to see even more touches, you know, possibly in the 15 range for both Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. He said you want to get the ball to the best players on your team and, you know, think everybody is very excited to hear that that's the direction that they continue to go. Um, They talked about the relationship with Matt LaFleur and how it's continued to improve. You know, Rogers was the diva. Don't be the problem. Uh, He didn't have a say in who was hired and everyone thought this was going to be a big thing, but he said that that relationship just continues to be get more and more comfortable and that it's really personified by these funny moments. So he he'll mention that, you know, I came back from for training camp and Matt comes up to me and says, I'm reading this book on spirit, spirituality. And he's like so excited to talk about it with Aaron Rodgers. And he's just like, oh, yeah, okay sounds good. Um, And then, you know, he's mentioned that this past week that in the first quarter, Matt Lafleur's headset wasn't working Um, and that in the past, you know, we talked about on the show that Rodgers has messed with the floor and been like, what? I can't hear you when it actually is working just to freak him out a little bit. But that this time, it was actually not working. You know, you said it's kind of like when the radio is cutting in and out and you're like, oh, but uh, 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 and you're only hearing every other word. Um, so he said that's why they called the timeout earlier in the game where, you know, we were all complaining about it on Twitter, but it was because they literally could not hear each other and they had no idea what to do. Um, so he said, you know, we had we had a good laugh about that. Uh, they did ask about the Packers, uh, Alan Lazard's ayahuasca-inspired touchdown celebration. Rodgers had some thoughts <laughs> and opinions on that. I'm not going to get into it. Um, you know, All I'll say is that he said he doesn't want to send the wrong message about it. So, you know, there was a long explanation of his thoughts there that you can check out. Um, he d- Rodgers also said he's definitely more comfortable on the field with Alan Lazard and Jenkins back. You know, just having body movements that are familiar to him and guys that he's used to seeing and that he has played with for a long time, always, of course, is a comfort to him. He said Alan shows up a lot more um, or doesn't show up as much um, in the stat sheets, but does so much more than what you'd think. Um, and... We've been saying and preaching that for years on this show. So nice to see number 12 say it um, for the world as well. He talked extensively about how he's just incredibly proud of Jenkins for coming back. And, you know, he called him a warrior fighting back from his ACL injury. And, you know, he said, I'm sure there are plays that he's going to wish he could have back. And we saw those two was working out rust a little bit, but was really just so excited to have him back. And it feels just proud and good about what he's doing um pat mcphee asked a, a really good question that you know last year rogers was talking about how one of the first times he met justin fields was to tell him like hey you know enjoy this rivalry soak it up this is very special there's not a lot of traditions like this in the nfl but pat said it doesn't feel like a rivalry anymore you guys beat him up every time so why is this so special to you? And he just talked about the tradition that there aren't many rivalries left in the NFL that go back this far, that the fans on both sides are so passionate that players have been on both teams for a while. So they just have this hatred for the other team. You know, he said, I, I was walking around town the other day and people saw me and they were hyped in green Bay. They'd come up to me that they they're packed on. They were so excited about the win that we beat the bears. And um, it, you know, I love that. I love hearing about the traditions and how they feel um, about how they feel about it. And, you know, he, he doubled down on his take about how he owns the bears. He said, you can't say that it's not true. Um, and we saw that definitely on Sunday and, you know, talked about a few other things. He loved the bear still suck chant. They talked a little bit about the Packers match up with the Bucks this weekend. They joked, you know, do you and Tom Brady text about who can uh, ruin a Microsoft Surface uh, more? You know, week one, it looked like it might be Rogers. Week two is Brady. Who will be in week three? Um, And then last but not least, the Aaron Rodgers Book Club is back. So book number one is The Mastery of Love by Don Miguel Ruiz. Um, And it's The Practical Guide to the Art of Relationships. So that is the first book this season. You know, last year, they uh, donated $100,000 to literacy groups. And Rogers announced on the podcast on Tuesday that he is matching um, the $100,000 donation. So um, they will continue to raise money for that. But yeah, long episode. So a little bit of a longer explanation. So like I said, if you have the time, check it out. But it is very long. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, we were talking about ahead of time. I uh, I started watching it and I got to a couple parts and I was like, well, he's got to be done soon. So I started skipping, skipping forward like, nope, it went on for a very long time. So I, I caught, I don't know, the first 15 minutes or something and I just kind of jumped around from there. But thank you for that, Sarah. Uh, so we'll get to kind of our weekly uh, weekly stuff here, which is the Packers offense versus the Bucks defense. We're talking about one thing that we're kind of looking for To get us prepped for this weekend. Sarah, what is your one thing you're looking for going into this matchup?
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
2: Yeah, so if you've been listening to this show um, for a couple of years and following along, one of my um, good friends, Bailey, he came on our podcast a couple of years ago. He is a the Bucks beat writer for Pewter Report at Bailey J Adams twenty twenty two. If you want to follow him, um, but when Bucks and Packers played a couple of years ago, he came on. He previewed the show with us. It was a lot of fun. I went on his podcast and we previewed the show there too. Um, so I said, you know, why not go straight to the source? This week, why not go to the guy who flew out to Dallas and and was there in person for week one and who is at all the training camp practices and who's there every week. And so, I, you know, I mentioned, hey, you know, we cover one thing each week. I kind of want to hear your thoughts. So he, he has given me permission to share information on the podcast. And here we go. So he said. You know, nothing stands out to me too far, but if anything, the Bucks run defense hasn't been as dominant as it was in 2020 or most of last year. Cowboys ran it well early on them in week 1 until they fell behind and started throwing a ton. Saints ran it pretty well on them this past weekend with Ingram since Camara was out. He said I wouldn't say that their run defense is bad. It's just had more holes in it than normal so far this year. I'm being very nitpicky here. The defense has been solid as can be, albeit against two bad offenses. So I thought this was very interesting because it seems like right now that the weakness on a, this very good defense could be in the run game, that maybe there are more holes than usual. And it seems that for the Packers, their strength is the run game right now. And, you know, we saw it this past weekend. Um you know, week two against the Bears, Packers rushed for a total of 203 yards. Jones was 132 of those 203. And then just kind of looking back at the Bucks' opponents, you know, Dallas rushed for 71 in week one. New Orleans rushed for 102 in, in week two. Um, so I, I think this could be a good opportunity for the Packers to exploit a weakness and in an area where they can lean on one of their strengths. Um, and I'm hoping that Aaron Jones is the guy again this week. Um, and a lot of that is going to fall on the offensive line too. And just how people can open up gaps, protect Rogers on Pat McAfee show. Also, you know, he talked about Lazard and how he does more than what is shown on the stat sheet. And he talked about blocking as one of those things. He said, he's an excellent blocker. And in addition to that, so are Sammy Watkins and Randall Cobb. So, I'm just really curious to how the run game works, what the protection is going to look like, and if they really are able to exploit maybe some of the weaknesses right now in the Bucks' defense.
1: Yeah, I've got a, I've got a couple of things. Honestly, I was going to start with the run game as well um, and kind of a very specific type of run. So I guess I will, I will talk about that. So last year, what I kind of talked about, what I'd hoped to see from the Packers in 2021 in their run game is a more varied run game. So far, those first couple of years of the floor had been – uh, essentially it was zone, it was inside zone, outside zone, wide zone, midline zone, split zone, throw in there as well, I guess. Kind of the, the main zone blocking family is basically what they did. And coming from the Shanahan tree, leaning more Shanahan than, than McVeigh, I was kind of hoping for more of a varied run game, more pullers, more power. Uh, and last year they didn't really do that. Last year they they ran power on about you know 5% of their run plays this year so far, small sample size, all of this stuff. So for this year that they're running power and 25% of their run calls, and they're and they've got they've got the guys to do it. Josh Myers has been struggling a little this year, uh, specifically in pass pro, but his pulling he's been very good in the run game. I, I've thought from what I've seen, and a lot of that pulling stuff they've been pulling him. Uh, John Runyon Jr. is kind of the guy next to him. There's sometimes pull a pull tackle, but usually they're pulling Myers and a guard or something. Uh, that that GT pull, GT lead, whatever you want to call it. And that's where the Bucks kind of have really struggled from what I was seeing. It looked like, and again, it's a small sample, I think they've faced. Eight to ten power runs so far this year, uh, but they're allowing roughly four yards per carry on zone runs and on the power stuff. It's they're allowing f- I think five point three yards per carry. So it's an area, and it seems like some of the, those. I mean, they've got those two tremendous linebackers. It seems like they kind of get turned around a little. They they're little little iffy. You see them step towards the line, step back, try to hit the gap a little late, then get get hit by the puller. So it's a little indecision there from the linebackers with some of those gap schemes. So that's kind of what I'm looking for the Packers. Is is to kind of continue that trend, to keep doing that power pulling those guards pulling the center they've been doing to create those specific angles to pre- to attack those specific gaps because uh, they've had really really good luck with that so far and that's where the bucks have struggled so that's the one thing in the run game I'm looking for the only other thing is is you know they they've been saying what, for a year and a half now maybe Bakhtiari might be back this week Bakhtiari might be back this week we saw Elton Jenkins back last week. Uh, he struggled a bit, but you know Rodgers talked on McAfee. He talked in the post-game press conference. Basically, anyone who asks him, he'll talk about Elton Jenkins. And How much more, more comfortable he was with Elton Jenkins out there. Man, they're going to need him. It sure would be nice to have two tackles. You know, Nyman, Nyman has held up pretty well. He had some uh, some rough moments last week, um, but overall, he's been good. Shaq Barrett's been a lunatic, man. Um, so through two games... I counted 11 splash plays. He's had three sacks, five hurries, three QB hits they are lining up everywhere, man. He's doing damage as a looper on stunts. He's lining up over guards and just punishing guards. He's pure speed and power off the edge. Like he's winning speed, power technique. His hand usage has been, been insane. He's been a little inconsistent over the course of his career. I mean, Through these two games, he's looked like just a man with his hair on fire. And so in the passing game, Barrett's a guy you're going to have to account for. And even if if they somehow get Bakhtiari from three years ago in there and Jenkins is back to his full self and he's ready to go, they're going to have to do some chip help on some of that stuff because Barrett's playing like an absolute monster. So that's the couple things I'm looking for. We'll get to score predictions here. So last week, we all picked uh, the Packers to win. We all got the Packers win, obviously. Yay, go us. Um, none of us hit the prediction on the nose. So we all go 1-0 and because we, well, 1-1, I guess technically we're just going one point. We each got one point. Uh, we're gonna go score predictions again. We'll give Steve's first. Steve did uh, give us his score prediction. So one thing he one thing he said to us today was, "I can't make the show." Also, here's my score prediction. Uh, so Steve's got the Bucks winning twenty eight to twenty four. I have got I've got the Packers seventeen to ten. I think uh, I think the Packers again. If, if I think they're gonna move the ball on the ground, but that's a slower game. I mean, we saw that against the Bears as well. It's gonna be a slower game. Uh, I don't think there's going to be a ton of points scored. I think it's going to be hard to come by, and I think the Bucks are going to struggle a bit as well. I think the the defense, you know, the, I wouldn't be shocked if the Bucks go down and score an opening touchdown because that's a thing the Packers may be doing this year, I guess, and then putting the clamps down. But I think it's going to be kind of tough sledding on both sides, but I'll give the edge to the Packers. I'll give them 17-10. Sarah, where are you?
2: Yeah, funny because last week our score predictions were very close. And once again, they are super close. I am going with Packers 17, Bucks 14. Um, I think this one is going to go down to the bitter end and we're all going to be on the edge of our seats. Um, I wish I was there. It absolutely hurts me that they're coming to Florida and I can't see them. But I will be cheering from my couch and just – praying that on Monday I can wear my Packers polo to work again after
1: it went. Well, hopefully the Packers are going to win because we'll be happy, but also so Steve won't have like weeks of lording this over us. Well, I guess I've got more points than you. Oh, so yeah, do us, do us a solid Packers and win this game so we don't have to hear Steve talking about it. Um, that's the main reason I want you to win. I don't want to hear Steve talking about it. Uh, so that's what we got for the game. As always, we reached out for questions. We didn't get a ton. We got four, but they're all pretty good ones. So we're going to hit up some questions and then get out of here. Sarah, what do we got this week?
2: Yeah, our first question is from at Zach J. Hansen, and they want to know, do they try to load up the box with Evans out and focus on the Tampa run game since they couldn't stop the run versus Chicago?
1: I think it depends. I don't think they do up front because I don't think that's who Joe Barry is. I think Joe Barry kind of wants to play his defense and we're going to play how we want to play. And if they run on us, they run on us at some point. They may have to devote more bodies if they're getting just absolutely gashed. So I wouldn't be shocked if it turns to that, but I think they, they come out with the mindset of, listen, we like who we have up front. We like our guys, uh, you know, we been playing well, obviously gave them some big runs last week, but I think, some of that, I think, is just cleaning up tackling, which which I think comes in time. I don't make a whole big deal out of they didn't play their starters in the preseason. But I think this is one area where it matters is some of that tackling. You don't really get reps if you're not playing in those games. So Devondre Campbell, who was about as sure-handed as they came, uh, I mean, there was, there was some of those runs. There was like a 26-yard run uh this last week that if campbell makes a tackle it's like a four-yard gain so i think if they start cleaning that stuff up uh, i think the run game doesn't look quite as bad but i think yeah i think off the bat i think they come out play their defense play their base you know they're they're four two five two whatever they end up doing throw that nickel out there but you have you know campbell and, and walker behind the defensive line see what they can do and if it's <laughs> I think what's going to happen if they if they pick up 12 yards a pop on like their first drive or two, I think the floor goes over. It's like the the Lions game last year, the home opener where golf just had all day. And apparently at halftime, the floor told Barry, like, you need to fix this, send more bodies at that man. And then they did. And then like the rest of the season was, was kind of fine. I wouldn't be shocked if it's something like that. Barry's got his guy sitting back. They're just gashing, gashing, gashing. The floor is like, listen, you got to fix this. And then they kind of devote more resources and turn around. But I think up front, no, I, I think they kind of come out and show what they've been showing all season and hope it works. And if it doesn't, make a tweet.
2: All righty. Next question from Matt Pickett from Hey, We Like Your Pod. He asks, what's the difference between an RPO and play action, which seems like a perfect dusty question. And then what's the difference between a pony package and just having two running backs on the field? Another perfect dusty question. And then what's the difference between Coke and Pepsi?
1: Yeah. All right. So let's do the first two. So um, play action is a pass play. It's a strict pass play that you want to look like a run. And an RPO is a run call with a pass tag with a pass option on it. So as an example, so uh, we'll take we'll take strike as a concept, which is which is something that we saw that was like those two uh, completions to Sammy Watkins over the middle. That was off the strike concept. You make that look like a run up front. And one, one of them, they had like shotgun outside zone and the other was inside zone. doesn't matter. The releases of the, of the line you're making like that first step look like a run. And then you, you know, you got the, the quarterback does the, the fake handoff and all that stuff, but that's a pass through and through. You're never going to hand that off. That's a pass play. You've got that. You're just making it look like a run, but you got to sell it. But the line stays, the difference is where the line is. So like an inside zone run call, you're pushing forward. Well, that can't be a long developing play or else you get called for an eligible man downfield. So that's a strict pass play. An RPO would be say an outside zone run play that has a tag on the backside where a guy kind of bubbles like a wide receiver screen type of motion. And the difference that you're doing there is it's a run play. So the line is blocking. That's the main way you can tell if it's RPO or play action, is what's the offensive line doing? Are they pushing forward? Are they are they opening gaps in the running game? Are they taking one or two steps and then kind of falling back into pass protection? That's how you tell. And the RPO, the entire idea of an RPO is you're, you're trying to make the defense wrong. You're trying to gain a numbers advantage. If, if they have, if you have a three on two advantage with your receivers outside, you throw the ball. If you don't, that means they've got three out there. That means you got a light box running into a light box. You're making them wrong. So an RPO is a run call with an option to pass. Um, when you call when I, when I classify that, I think a lot of people classify that. I classify an RPO as well, the concept is inside zone, and then what is the pass tag off of that? Whereas a, a play action is just through and through. That that's always going to be a pass. That's that's the RPO versus play action. Um, Pony package versus two running backs. Honestly, for me, it's like, it's, it's the same thing. It's for it. I think the distinction for me comes in, um, the personnel. So you could say like 21 personnel would be two running backs, one tight end, uh, two wide receivers. Twenty-one, like those two running backs in there, that could also be like a fullback, and that's not pony personnel. Pony pony packages, uh, two running backs. So you need Jones and Dylan out there. The Packers currently do not have a fullback on their roster, but if you had a fullback, that'd still be twenty-one. But that's not pony. You look at that as like two halfbacks essentially make pony. Um, and what's the difference between Coke and Pepsi? Well, Coke's good and Pepsi is not. Um, that's That was going to be my
2: answer. <laughs> no joke, verbatim. That's what I was. Say, oh, I love that. And you know, if Steve was here, he'd be like, oh, Well, Pepsi's pretty good, and you guys just <laughs> haven't had it in the right, like the right
1: environment. God, nailed his voice, too. Nailed his voice. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Oh my gosh i cannot believe it i was gonna be like well just answer the first two questions but as far as coke and pepsi one is good and one isn't
1: I'm i'm glad we're on the same page here
2: oh love that all right well moving on to the next question then um our next question is from at aaron 12 godgers Um, Is Matt LaFleur a product of Rodgers? So I'll go first since Justin's been doing a lot of talking on the last couple of questions. I don't think so. No, I think Matt LaFleur is a very good coach. Um, Has he benefited from having Aaron Rodgers as his quarterback at his first destination where he is a head coach? Yes, of course. But any head coach would benefit from that. I also think, you know, I don't want to play into the whole Rodgers is a diva, Rodgers is this or that. But I think there are egos at play here. And the fact that Matt LaFleur was able to come in as a young head coach and really just gain control of the locker room, change the culture. You know, you, you have to remember where things were at with Mike McCarthy. Things had been done the same way for a long time. It felt like they're. It was just this need for a new energy and that it was going to be a big task. And Mount LaFleur answered the call. He came in, he seemed so well liked and well respected by everybody there. Um, you know, I've listened to interviews with Hackett, with um, various other coaches, whether it be on podcasts or in media availabilities. Um, and all of them talk about how much respect they have for Matt Floor, how he commands the locker room, how dedicated he is to the organization, to the team, and that he goes above and beyond to make sure that the Packers can win. And I think that's a huge part of why they've been successful. Yes, of course, it does help that a Hall of Famer is, you know, is your quarterback. But I think he could go anywhere and change the culture and could really make a positive impact because that's just the type of guy he is and the leader he is too.
1: Yeah, yeah, I echo all of that. I, I, I mean, I think, uh, yeah, Rogers is a Hall of Fame player, and uh, Matt Lafleur is also a very good coach. And sometimes you get these perfect marriages where these things work out. But no, I do, I do not believe that Matt Lafleur is a product of Rogers. I think Matt Lafleur is a very good coach, both on the scheme side and, like you said, Sarah, I mean, you, there was the. There was an article that came out a week or two ago that Kevin Clark wrote over for The Ringer that I feel like I'm going to be talking about all season, where it's not just his scheme stuff and kind of how he teaches that and how that's like, you know, cutting edge stuff and the way he uses personnel and all that stuff. But you also get stories like Mike McDaniel, who's currently like just setting the world on fire down in Miami with some of the stuff he's doing. And he was like, I, I would not be coaching the NFL if it wasn't for, for the floor because some of the mistakes I made early and like, he's one of the best people I know. And like, you get all of these stories about the kind of man he is outside of football. And that matters in the building as well. I mean, you, you mentioned culture and all that. I think of some of the names of the people that they interviewed, like yeah, it was Josh McDaniels and who knows how that's going to turn out. It was also guys like Adam Gase. Like, if Adam Gase was the head coach of the Packers, do you think we'd be talking about is Aaron Rodgers, is is Adam Gase a product of Aaron Rodgers? No, because Adam Gase would be fired by now. Like, I think both things are true. Aaron Rodgers is a very good quarterback. Matt LaFleur is a very good coach. They found each other at a very, very good time. Matt LaFleur is a product of no one, I don't believe. I think he's just a very, very good coach.
2: And our final question for this week is from Brian Hartstad. He wants to know after the win in Chicago, which aspect of the Packers are you most confident in? Offense or defense? Food question What ingredient would you add to mac and cheese? Um, so I'll go first again with this one. It's a good question. I had to think about this one for a second. I'm going to say offense. And just solely on the fact that they have Aaron Rodgers because I trust Aaron Rodgers and knowing that he's at the helm. I think that things will be fine, that things will work out and, you know, seeing how they were able to dominate with the run game made me feel a lot better about how they could just diversify things a bit on the offense, not try to force things in the air. And, you know, I think some of the the rookies, whether it be Romeo or Christian Watson, they just need a little bit of time, but that we've seen promise and that we've seen good things from them too. And that, um, you know, we, 9, 10, we'll be feeling really good about where the Packers' offense is. The only reason I don't pick the defense, even though they played pretty well, is that I'm just not fully sold on it yet. And I hate to say that, but we've heard, oh, Joe Barry's defense, it's really on a roll, looks great. But there are some moments where, I don't know, they, they give me the ick a little bit and um, they need to prove it to me a bit more before I feel comfortable saying I'm more confident in the defense than the offense. And what ingredient would I add to mac and cheese? Bacon. Um, love adding bacon to mac and cheese, especially if you cook it in the oven with um, breadcrumbs and things like that. But yeah, bacon, good addition to a good old mac and cheese.
1: Yeah, I was going to say offense for the sake of being different. I'll just say defense uh, to keep this interesting. I mean, I think the thing that I like about Joe Barry and it was it was, uh, you know, this was not true after week one. But I think last year showed I mean, I think there I think there are some limitations. I think he's not the fastest to adjust. But you didn't see a whole lot of busts last year um, in that defense. And that, again, we that was different in week one, but they were always sound. They passed off assignments really well. And for the defense that they want to play, that's, I mean, that's huge. They didn't, they limited big plays a ton last year. And that was because guys were where they were supposed to be when they were supposed to be there. They, that passing off of assignments makes it really, really hard to do a whole lot against, which is why teams were running on them. It, they they kind of had a hard time passing at times. So I will I will say that just because you see, and I think part of my confidence in them is just, I, I mean, I've talked a lot this offseason about Quay Walker and be patient with him, you know, growing pains, all that. He's looked amazing so far. Like, he has taken a couple lumps, but he's been flying around. I mean, he's been a difference maker on that defense. So, I think seeing him flying around, and again, like some of that stuff with the with the run defense, guys are kind of where they're supposed to be but like Devondre campbell's missing tackles and even like not even just last year like throughout his career he was not a guy who missed a whole lot of tackles so i'm kind of confident like the a couple of these things that they're going to clean up because i believe it's it's who they will be uh based on what we've seen in the past and based on who these players are uh i i, I think the defense is, is going to kind of i think we started seeing it already but i think they're going to start rounding into form here that that the safeties are a little concerning i will say some of the stuff Amos and Savage have been doing a little confusing, but based on kind of where they were last year, I have I have a good feeling. And between Barry and then with Jerry Gray there as well, kind of coaching them, uh, I I have a good feeling about them. Um, so I'm 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 hopeful. And then ingredient to mac and cheese, yeah, Sarah, you know, it's, it's it's bacon. We also do like the the cornflake crumble on the top, but if we're putting it in the mac and cheese itself, yeah, it's uh it's bacon. All right, so that's it for questions. Uh, we'll get to final thoughts sarah you got any final thoughts
2: no just to check out dusty stuff um that's my final thoughts every week now that i'm not writing game recaps um but i just hope everybody's having fun um this is you know it feels like we're getting to the best time of the year weather's going to start to cool off a little bit holidays are going to be here before we know it and um while i enjoy it this time of the year and it's busy i know that it's a hard time of the year for other people as well so you know like we always talk about if you need somebody to talk to our dms are always open um and we're here to support you hopefully this podcast is a light in your day and a a bright spot you know we we love joining you on your commute to work or in the office or wherever you listen to this lovely little show of ours um but that's pretty much it um and Looking forward to Steve rejoining us next week. But otherwise, just check out Dusty's stuff in the meantime.
1: Yeah, and I've, I've got stuff. I won't talk about all of it because I went on a little too long last week. Um, so I've got the the articles I've written this week. So yesterday, yesterday on Pack Report, I wrote about uh, the Jair interception in the fourth quarter and kind of talked about the the coverage there and kind of what how that changed after the routes distributed and, and, and the ground, just the insane amount of ground Jair covered, and how he kind of baited that throw a little bit. So that's on Pack Report. Today on Pack Report, this morning, uh, I'll have something on – The what I'm calling at the moment, just I'm calling it the pony sweep, which is the play, the uh, the touch pass to Aaron Jones that had A.J. Dillon just just lead blocking lead blocking uh, Roquan uh, Smith to the gates of hell. So I've got that one up in Pack Report today. Also today on Cheesehead, I've got uh, three plays I'm looking at over there. So I've got some numbers on the passing game in general for the game. And then uh, I've got the two instances of the drift strike concept those two Sammy Watkins digs and kind of how those came about. And then also wrote about the Randall Cobb angle route on third down. That was one of my favorite plays of the game because it featured, Randall Cobb in the backfield running an angle route. It's it's all of my favorite things in the world, just in that one beautiful little play. But I talked about how kind of that motion there kind of dictated that and, and why that happened. So that was fun to talk about. That's when she said that'll be up today. And then, I don't know, popping up here and there with different videos on things. I'm hopefully doing something on uh pony package uh later today probably so that there there are 11 snaps and pony i'm hoping to do a stream on that later today got an rpo thing going up over my sub stack so i'm just kind of all over the place um, yeah you're I'm a busy not guy. Sure. jeez <laughs> yeah i don't i feel like i'm gonna burn out real real soon um but i'm i'm, I'm coming in hot to the season I'm, I'm excited sarah i'm really excited so that's all my stuff
2: all righty well like we mentioned, we will be back next week to preview week four. Hard to believe that we're already saying that. Wish it would just all slow down a little bit. But as always, you can follow us all on Twitter at Sarah Kelleher 4 at Dusty Evely, at Steve Perhatch, and at pack a Podcast. We will see you next week. And as always, Go Pack Go!